You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 128 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on Labor Day weekend. We will not take a break for you guys. I tweeted that out. People were a little bit surprised, but listen, no days off here at the Talking Chop, on the Talking Chop podcast. I guess that's not really true. There, there, have been, there have been days off along the way, but in the middle of a pennant race, got to do a podcast. And joining me today, uh, as usual or as often, the great Eric Cole. What's up, man? Yeah, like maybe like a regular guest co-host. I don't know. It's sure. kind of hard to like. I mean, whatever that title. Yeah, I'm, I'm around. I'm around a good bit. I'm around a good bit. Yeah, you you and Scott have a different uh, time. People, somebody, somebody actually says that said something about you guys to me recently, and I was like, oh, it was about uh, me cutting you off on a podcast. I think it was like me me interrupting you, and I was like, Eric's not a guest. Like we, <laughs> it's more free flowing. I think people, if you listen to the podcast, this is not this is not where I plan to, to start. Why but are you a, so I, mean to me, Brad? If I, <laughs> If I have a guest, like someone who I don't normally have, I stay out of the way. Like I'll ask a question and I'll let them answer it. With you and Scott, I'm we're just going to talk. Uh, oh yeah, no, the, the, you're getting the casual conversation version of the Talking Job podcast. If Scott and I are on, I'm I'm a little curious as kind of how the playoff podcasts are going to work because like I could see a world where both Scott and I would want to be on. <laughs> uh, we'll do it together. Who cares? I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be like two in the morning. It's, yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be so. like two and a half hours long though. Like we yeah, like, every night it'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, no, that's, be a lot of fun. that's a good problem to have. And honestly, it feels more like that will be happening. Um, after the last two days, there was a brief, uh, point of a little bit of worry, I would say, uh, mid midweek this week, which is probably a good place to start. The Braves had lost three straight after a win on Tuesday and then a couple of painful losses in there. Uh, there was a little bit of, uh, I'm not saying it was like, you know, overall fear, but the, the gap was narrowing a little bit. And then uh, it, it looked kind of bleak on Saturday. It would have been the fourth straight loss. And it was like, man, this is this might not go well for a while here. And then the Braves made the great comeback, um, with, uh, with some help from, from, uh, from, you know, Dansby Swanson bomb and Lane Adams making an appearance crazily off the bench. And, uh, a lot of fun stuff on Saturday night. And then a nice win here on Sunday, just moments ago, as we talk, um, a, 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 the eighth inning was very kind, I will say to the Braves. So that they went too straight there and now everything is looking good again. The magic, the magic number is 23. People were yelling uh, this week about magic number talk. Uh, we're going to use it because it's fun. Um, so, yeah, where, it, where are you it, at, man? I mean, this, it, was, it, was, it was a fun week even though the middle of the week was not so much fun. Yeah, I mean, look, when you're kind of get down to the last month, you know, you're going to have these stretches where, like, you lose two games then you're and the team that's chasing you is going to win two and all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, is this where it starts? But, I mean, my feelings on the Phillies have not changed. Their pitching is really good. They're starting pitching anyway. I think their bullpen – is suspect at this point and i don't think they can hit enough to keep up i just don't and you know the the rest of the schedule is certainly favors the phillies i would imagine um but that basically is only because of this upcoming red sox series as well as the series against the diamondbacks so the diamondbacks are kind of reeling a little bit and the red sox are really good but you know you really you never really know i mean this team can compete with anybody if they're if they're especially if they're hitting you know i'm, I'm just I'm cautiously optimistic. The, the margin isn't where I'm like, okay, let's go ahead and buy playoff tickets. But at the same time, I just don't feel th- I'm not I don't feel super threatened just because of the team that's chasing us. And I think the team's playing reasonably well. They've got certainly gotten unlucky a little bit lately, but at the same time, they've you know, I mean, Ronald Acuna is still Ronald Acuna, and you know, there's still guys that like it's required like half the lineup to stop hitting, and some other unlucky things to happen to lose like three straight games, and then they just came back and won two more because. Ronald Acuna is still Ronald Acuna, and those guys aren't going to be slumping forever. So overall, I'm very happy with how things went. Um, I'm obviously very happy with where the Braves sit right now, four games up. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I am very optimistic about the Braves' playoff chances and just kind of how things are going going forward. You know, it's going to be a tough next week or so, but I think after that, you know, if we're still kind of – we still have a, a pretty decent lead 
after all that, and which I kind of think will happen, uh, you know, we should be good to go. Yeah, there's a lot of transactional stuff to talk about on this podcast, but I wanted to at least take the big picture stuff early on. And you know, at the moment, um, you know, the only one of the projection systems that I that I usually use in my uh, weekly or, or so tweets is that, that updates like after every game. It's 538, uh, so it's the only one that's, that's I guess quote unquote accurate at this moment in time. And 538 says the Braves have an 80 percent chance to win the NL East and 82 percent chance to make the playoffs. That probably is right, always somewhere in that range. I think probably three out of four times the Braves hold here and make the playoffs. Uh, there, there are some disaster scenarios, but you know, up four games in September, even if you assume the schedule is probably a little bit easier for the Phillies, I think you and I are on the same page that the Braves are just better than the Phillies. And the, gap is not that, the gap is not massive for anything like that, but there's a big enough gap where I think you can probably have some level of safety up four games, but uh, obviously there are scenarios where things get dicey and uh, playing each other six times uh, leads leads to more uh, uncertainty and more volatility there. But uh, I kind of agree with you uh, as a general overall principle. And listen, I mean, the series this week with Boston, you know, three games with Boston at home, and then they got to go to Arizona for four games uh, and the Scott Coleman experience out there at Chase Field. Um, <laughs> it's going to be interesting, man. I mean, Boston is terrifying they're not playing as well as they were early in the year uh part of that's that they seemingly have pedaled off a little bit and they know they're going to win 100 games and uh not be in too much jeopardy but at the same time you would imagine they they that they give the Braves the best chance here it's not a series that they normally uh would play a lot those these these two teams do play semi semi often because they are both in the uh, east divisions and they do uh see each other i guess relatively often but still i mean it's a situation where uh it's kind of a headline series you know the the first game monday as tukey toussaint will be pitching which we'll talk about here in a second is an espn national telecast it's the it's labor day there's a lot going on there and uh you know also sean newcomb mike fulton nature both pitching in the series there's a lot of extra eyes i think on the process this week so should be fun, and uh, I'm kind of with you overall that you know there's some there's some level of comfort here, even if it's not a situation where you're up eight and you can kind of take it easy. Up four is nice; it's a good working margin, and uh, keeping it there is kind of what matters. Yeah, I mean, and it's nice to kind of not be in a situation like the NL West where it's just like anyone could literally win that division. <laughs> like, I, there's three teams that could feasibly win it right now. Uh, I mean, the Braves are the favorites, and that's where you want to be. I mean, obviously, having already locked up the vision, obviously, would be the best I, the best scenario. But, you know, it's hard to be upset being four games up. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. All right, let's move on to some of the stuff that actually happened this week that was not uh, directly tied to wins and losses, at least in the past tense. I guess the first thing that was probably the biggest deal, even though it's not the biggest deal for this year, is that Tyler Flowers signed an extension uh, this week, which kind of came out of nowhere, but also makes a lot of sense. It's a very Braves move to lock up Tyler Flowers for another year. They, they love Tyler Flowers um, for a reason. He's been very good since he arrived, and he's been very cheap. You know, the money is fairly cheap, honestly, for someone who's been a maybe not an everyday catcher, but someone who is certainly a strong part of a timeshare at catcher. Uh, obviously, Suzuki and Flowers have been great together, especially when you're talking about what, what the Braves have I've been paying them the last couple of years, and Flowers has murdered left-handed pitching, uh, to say the least. He's been absolutely incredible against lefties for a while now, so even if you were to construct a platoon, and the other side of that is very much up for debate, Flowers at a reasonable cost for another year is something that I like quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, the the, the money is the money is right. He's really good, too, at, like, you know, let's assume that even if he does, like, continue to drop off you know, offensively or, you know, like, you know, the, not, not all the, all everything about his skill set is desirable for a full-time catcher. I mean, he's just not going to be that guy and you, you don't feel like you've invested so much money that you've kind of wasted it. And for a, a guy that like can like manage a pitching staff and kind of help with game planning and kind of coaching guys as to how to get through games, like flowers is perfect for that. You know what I mean? And it's not, it that those, those, these kinds of deals for those kinds of players, I am all for, because again, that he is, he's a veteran guy that kind of knows what, you know, what goes on late, like deep in seasons and kind of how to get through seasons successfully and things like that. I, I think that the Braves will probably still pursue a catcher. Uh, I'm not, I'm not 100% certain what's going to go on with Suzuki because I feel like that that deal, if they had already gotten Flowers to sign an extension, I wonder if maybe Suzuki's looking for a little bit more or, you know, because that's kind of what he did last year is that he signed his extend, uh, extension through this year. But even then, you know, you the, this doesn't preclude the Braves from going after a catcher that maybe has more offensive upside or is better against righties. Uh, but it's kind of like a safety net. Like, hey, at least we know for sure that we have flowers in the fold. And, you know, he's not going to do anything embarrassing on the field. And there's definitely some things he does really well. So I'm all for it. Yeah, that, that was one of the big questions that we got a lot, especially early in the season, was 
what happens at catcher in 2019 and beyond because Flowers and Suzuki were both free agents. And we kind of said, wait and see a lot. And I, I would not have surprised anyone that either one of these guys would be back or maybe even both of them would be back. And Flowers is the younger of the two. You know, Suzuki's not super duper old, but at the same time, he's, uh, you know, two years older than Flowers. And uh, I think Flowers is a better defender at this point. You know, Suzuki at one point was a very good defender. Hasn't really been that uh, since he arrived in Atlanta, but his bat's really kind of taken off, which is something that surprised everybody, but he's been quite good. So, yeah, I, I think... My guess at this point would be that Suzuki's not back, and, I, and they go with Flowers and someone else, probably, you know, at least hopefully a left-handed option as a hitter. But uh, I think, you know, there are worse scenarios to be sure than Flowers and Suzuki again in 2019, especially when Flowers is making, you know, four million for 2019. There's a club option after that with it with a two million dollar buyout, so a little bit more of an, an investment than that. But given what Flowers has been. There really is very little downside there. I can't imagine him just falling off the table. Maybe maybe he gets injured, but you know, at, at a worst case, if he's just a pure backup catcher, that's you know, he might be the best the best one of those in the entire league. Like it's a situation where there are only probably you know twelve good catchers in the whole league, fifteen good catchers, and Flowers has been on that list for a while. I think Flowers and Suzuki have been two of the best twenty catchers in the league for the last two years, and having both of those guys is really helpful. If you only have one. That you know, it's not it's not great, but look around the landscape of, of Major League Baseball. A lot of teams don't have a single good catcher, and the Braves have had two for a while now. So it's kind of a luxury when you're paying nothing, and they've got a lot out of these guys. But at, at the worst, having Flowers as a backup is very very nice. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that there's not really a lot of help coming right now, a catcher from the minor league system. Yes. I mean, Alex Jackson, <laughs> Alex Jackson's at AAA, but he has not hit at all this year. Uh, and has looked a little bit slow both behind the plate and and while like at the plate as well. So I'm, I'm much less bullish on his chances of like being that guy. Uh, William Contreras has been great, but he just got to high A. So I mean, he's just gonna need more time. And this extension kind of you know gives the Braves some, some you know a little bit of a safety net. To like hey, we can at least wait on Contreras to be ready. Uh, I think he's gonna be great, but he he does need some more time. So you know, I'm again, it's just overall, it's just a good deal. And the people that were like actually upset about it, it's kind of hard for me to understand. Uh, I think everyone's like, just just trade for Real Muto and everything will be fine, as if the Marlins are just going to give them to us for nothing. Um, you know, it's it's not as simple as that. So overall, I'm happy with the move. It's definitely something that a move that I'm all in favor of. It's not something that precludes them from going deeper or with for more upside, but kind of is a, a safety net going forward. Yeah, Flowers is a perfect example of a, of a guy who a lot of casual fans might not appreciate because he's hitting 227 batting average for the season, but he walks 13% of the time. So he's been a, uh, a league average hitter um, with you know incredible framing numbers and strong defense, and like he's the kind of guy who, if you're paying close attention and you believe in the numbers and understand his value defensively you'll really appreciate him. If you're looking at batting average and back of the baseball card stuff, you probably wouldn't. So that probably leads to a little bit of the split there. I did say a lot of that negative reaction. It kind of was dumbfounding to me too. And then I was like, oh, I guess he has a low batting average. So that explains that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just how it's going to be, you know, and it, it, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, these sorts of things just sort of sort themselves out. Like, we the problem is is that there's so much uncertainty about what's going to be going into the offseason. Everyone just assumes that the Braves can it will be a failure if like they don't sign two aces. And, It'll like, be real middle- real Muto, Bryce Harper, Clayton Kershaw. Who else is coming? And Machado. Up? Machado. Oh, Machado. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Just sign them. Just sign them all. Trade for them all, and everything will be fine. That's just not how it works. And this is this is a good hedge because again, there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of really high end catchers that are just gonna, are going to be available, and the ones that are going to be available, half the league's going to be looking for them. So. Yeah, I mean, Tyler you know, Flowers for me is one of the twenty best catchers in the league, yeah. and you're getting that guy on a relatively cheap contract that has very little downside. Like, I don't, I don't see the problem here. I get, and again, as you mentioned, and it's worth saying again, this does not preclude them from signing somebody else. It might yeah. slow them down a little bit on a huge money contract. I, I think Yasmani Grandal has been a famous target, at least reportedly, for the Braves. Um, it might slow them down off of off of a big ticket um, pay. Paying um, contract for that kind of guy. I mean, Real Muto is still pretty cheap, um, which is why he's going to cost so much money, uh, so, so much in prospect capital. But uh, I guess that might slow down one of the big ticket items. But most of the guys, I mean, Grandal has been really good. But aside from that, like just sign a guy who hits right-handed pitching and kind of go from there. It's it's not that big of a deal. And if it, by the way, if it's Kurt Suzuki, that's again just fine. These two that's guys are fine with me. Yep. Yeah. Give, I'd happily so. have. T- I'd happily take Kurt back for another year. No problem at all. Yep. That's there. There. There are worse things in the world than Flowers and Suzuki again in 2019. Even if it's not super duper, um, sort of enthralling in terms of uh, just the newness factor of all that. But right. Um, all right. Let's talk about um, some other stuff here before we get into the the roster expansion and everything that goes into that, including some of your reporting. Um, let's just talk about Ronald Acuna for. F- as long as we want to. I almost said 30 <laughs> seconds, and then I realized that you're on the podcast, and that's not going to happen. So, uh, Ronnie's been out of his mind. It's something that we talk about regularly on this podcast, but and looking at his numbers, 
he now has a 150 WRC plus um, through almost 400 plate appearances. He's 20 years old. Um, he's been absolutely preposterous for quite some time now. I mean, he's slugging 577, Eric. I know we, I know you were as high as anybody. You talked about him more than anybody, I think, over the last two years or so. Did you see this? Because I don't think anybody could have rationally said they saw this at 20. I, I would love to say that I predicted him being like one of the best, like, 15 hitters in like the national league in the second half or whatever. I mean, it's probably better than that, but uh, for the second half, but I mean, I saw that as a ceiling for sure. I mean, the talent was obvious, you know, you just kind of see what they can, what he could do on the field. And like, you know, if everything clicked, yeah, he could do things like this. I just didn't think he was gonna do it his rookie year as a 20 year old. You know, I thought there might be some struggles, but he's going to do things that like really like, you know, jumped out at you. And I, you know, I had, I felt like he was the favorite for the rookie of the year. Uh, I don't think anyone saw what Juan Soto was going to do this year. So, I mean, that's actually going to be a, Pretty interesting decision down the stretch, which I still think Acuna is, uh, is the favorite for just because the Braves are trending in a different direction. But um, overall, I mean, I, I saw it as a ceiling, but again, I didn't see it happening this quickly. And, you know, he, he's just one of those guys where the game comes easy to him. And, you know, he he's not built like a Freddie Freeman or a Giancarlo Stanton, but he can mash home runs just as far as they can. And he is one of the fastest runners in baseball. And he's, you know, he's still young. He's still learning. So he's going to do things that infuriate you sometimes. You know, have those at bats where you know, he just strikes out on three straight pitches because it feels like he didn't have any idea what was going on. But then the next at bat, you know, someone's going to pitch him high and tight, which is exactly what happened in this game. His first pitch he saw was high and tight. And, you know, for a lot of young guys, they'd get mad and they might end up striking out in that at bat. And the next pitch was launched 430 feet the other direction. So, I mean, the, there's nothing he can't do on a baseball field. You know, is it always going to click at every time? No, but he's he's special. And, you know, he's the reason the Braves are in the first place right now. It's the, It's like end of discussion. You know, if the if Ronald Acuna is not on this baseball team right now, they are not in first place, and that's been really fun to watch. Yeah, I wish he'd been up in in April. <laughs> I, but uh, I, I, you know, I I stated my feelings on that, especially since, we, we was, especially since it was like the the extra delay beyond just the service time stuff. It just felt I'm like, you know, th- those those are. Those are at bats he should have had, but that's just it, that's it was performance point. art. But I mean, I mean, obviously the fact that he is produced in the way that he has has been above and beyond any, anybody's rational expectation, and uh, this might be real. I mean, I can't imagine that his new baseline is a near 600 slugging percentage, but maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I kind of believe anything with Ronald Acuna. He's he's one of those few players where it's like maybe he's just going to be this forever. Um, his war rate stats are just absurd. Like if he did yeah, this over 162 um, game, it's just like he'd just it'd be he'd be the MVP this year. That's what would happen. <laughs> like, oh, if yeah, if he did this for a full season, he probably would be the MVP. Especially if you factor in um, the team success, which you know you can be, you can debate on how much that should matter in MVP discussions. But because of how good the Braves have been, yeah, he he might be the MVP of the league. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. not going to win this year, obviously. There's more uh, discussion about about Rookie of the Year with him and Juan Soto, but yeah, Acuna is a freak, and I wanted to at least mention that because uh, it, it, seemed like it, it seemed like it gets more absurd every day, which is why I keep bringing it up, but another fantastic week, another bomb today, and you know, he's just crazy, man. Yeah, he's really good. Just He's just really good. <laughs> yep, there, there it is. Uh, on the flip side, a couple guys are struggling a little bit. Um, let's start with um, Sean Newcomb. He... It's been weird, uh, you know. If you want, it's kind of how you want to pick about samples because his last his last eleven starts, he's a five point seven four ERA. Um, in the middle of that, though, he has a bunch of good starts. So it's a situation where like he's been really hot and cold, but when he's been bad, he's been really bad, and his walk and his walks are back up a little bit where you don't want him. In fact, the last fifty eight innings, he has thirty one walks. That's not going to do it. Um, even no. with um, his stuff, he can't live there, and we kind of said that a lot on the podcast. But are you worried about Sean Newcomb? You know, for instance, the last start, six earned runs, and that's that's of course one start after a after a six innings of scoreless baseball start against the Miami Marlins. So again, very hot and cold, but on the whole, since the beginning of the year, he was really really good in the first half of the season or so, and since then he's been really not on the aggregate. So are you worried, or is this just him being young and kind of hitting a rough spot? I think it's more young and hitting a rough spot. I think he's a little tired, which kind of, you know, you, you kind of have a little trouble with your command if you're just not, you know, feeling physically up. I and mean, that's going to happen for, I mean, he, throwing this many innings when you're this young and you haven't really, not really used to that. Uh, it's combined with that and the fact that, like, he's had some bad luck. Like, he's made some good pitches that guys have, like, wrote doubles on him. You know, like, like these, like, opposite shot down the line hits that, like, were on pitches that were, like, off the plate and were good pitches. But, like, you know, they the guy put a good swing on him. That's a little bit unlucky. And his changeup really hasn't been there. Like, when he's thrown it, he's gotten hit hard because it's been over the plate. He hasn't really been able to get people off of his fastball by keeping him people honest with his changeup. And now he's going to have to throw it. You know, the, the breaking balls has always been kind of hit and miss. His fastball is always live. He just needs that change of pace pitch 
like that changeup, which is what was setting up a lot of those good starts. Is when his, when he has good starts, that changeup is really working, and he gets you know people swinging way out in front um, on that, and then you know they feel like they have to kind of wait on that, and then the fastball jumps on them more. But he just hasn't been doing that. So you know it's kind of one of those things where he's gonna have to work that out and figure out how to incorporate that changeup more, and and more importantly throw it better. But uh, am I worried? Maybe in the sense that you know I, I want him to be better, but at the same time the Braves have like. 11 guys that are currently on the roster that could start games. So like, even if like Sean needs like time off to, you know, get sort things sorted out or, you know, or is even dinged up or for some reason, they have a bunch of guys that can slot in. So I don't know if I'd call myself worried so much as, you know, if there's things he definitely needs to work out. Yeah. I mean, that's probably a good way to put it. I just want to at least mention that because if you cherry again, if you cherry pack, cherry pick starts, there's times when he looks great, uh, even recently, but then he was really bad in the last start and that got people talking like, you know, rotation stuff in the playoffs. It's like, there was a lot of, are we sure Sean Newell was in the playoff rotation? And I'm like, I I think he still is, but with a short leash. Only because is it, it isn't as if the Braves have all of these options. I think Fulte and Gosman have been pretty clearly the two best pitchers on the team for a while now. But, I mean... I can't imagine you're going to really throw Anibal Sanchez in a start over Sean Newcomb in a playoff series. I just, I can't say that. At least for, and, at least for, I mean, maybe if Newcomb is bad for another, for another month, then that's a discussion. But right now, I just, I still throw Newcomb out there. And then in the playoffs, you probably have an extra guy in the bullpen. If he just doesn't have it one day, you'll probably know pretty early if he doesn't have it. And then you can go, go somewhere else. But he's the, he's one of the few guys on his team that can legitimately, you know, navigate five, six playoff innings uh, without giving up too much damage. And I can see the Braves just carrying some like bullpen guys who could go long. You know, I mean, there's and there's plenty of options now for them to do that. So, you know, it, like I said, I'm not, not I'm not super worried about it. Like Nukem has been very good for the most part this entire season. And you know, has he had a rough patch lately? Yeah, but he's also kind of, like it's been kind of inconsistently bad. You know, sometimes he looks great. You know, he almost threw a no hitter, and then he almost he has another really good start. Then he has a couple bad ones. I mean, is it frustrating? Yeah, but at the same time, like it's not a guy that I don't think that's a stretch that makes necessarily takes him out of the rotation. It's not like he has like a two or three year track record of being like spotty at best. Uh, that would make you think that maybe he just deserved to be in the rotation. Yep. I'm with you. I think there's a, uh, there is some concern there, but if he just turns it around a little bit in September, then uh, he'll be the, he'll be a guy in the playoffs. If the uh, Braves make it that far. Um, one other quick thing. Uh, Adam Duvall has been really bad since arriving in Atlanta. Um, I sent a tweet good. out, I think like six days ago, that's still getting replied to. About how I thought, how, you know, about how I thought Braves fans were being, were being silly about Adam Duvall. Uh, there is some room to discuss this. At the same time, there's a segment of Braves fans that wants him like DFA'd, which made me laugh hysterically when you just traded for a guy and he's under control till 2021 and it's 40 plate appearances. Um, so we know he's been bad, Eric. Um, I guess the, I don't even, I'm not even sure how to, how to really discuss this. Like, what is his? best role now on the team knowing full well that he's not going anywhere i'd be i mean i think i would be stunned for sure if they cut bait with him and didn't keep him around i guess it's a situation where if he's really really bad in september maybe they don't carry in the playoffs but they're not going to dfa him that's not going to happen no i mean he's he, he has some value defensively he has some value to like as a as a pinch runner if needed and i mean and he's you know should be able to hit you know be able to hit lefties it's just kind of a tough thing in that he doesn't get a ton of playing time. He's been like p- played against righties some sometimes for reasons I'm not sure if I fully understand, and not played against lefties for other reasons I don't really understand. Um, so like that kind of inconsistent playing time and kind of understanding what his role is, they're still figuring that out. And this is a guy that like put up real numbers for the red for the Reds. And while he's not hasn't been super great for us, the Braves didn't give up anything for him. They just got back Preston Tucker today for just some money. So they only gave up. Lucas Sims and Matt Whistler for him, and both those guys were not going to crack the rotation or the, or the bullpen anytime soon. And people are just like ready to cut bait with him. When I mean, yes, there are better bench bats right now on the roster than Adam Duvall, but that does not necessarily mean this is a, this is a guy that with that much team control and that much promise is a guy you cut bait with. I, I don't really understand it. People seem to be getting really upset for over nothing out of it it's, that was never a that was never an addition to the team that made me think that wow he needs to really contribute for this team to be well to do to do well instead it's like hey this is a guy that has real upside they didn't give up anything for him and if it works out great but you have you have some room to you know kind of let him figure it out and if you need to you know move him around on the roster or even you know send him down to the minors for whatever reason like you can do that because again there wasn't much investment in it and you don't feel like you have to start him to make him figure it out yeah i mean it's important to talk about this like with it's definitely, I mean, there's just a few things to discuss. One of them is that we talked about this earlier with Tyler Flowers, but everyone that wants to crap on Adam Duvall wants to talk about batting average as if 
the Braves didn't know he was never going to hit for batting average. Like, we kind of know that. Everyone should know that. Um, he walks a decent amount, and his power is what it is. He had three straight years, three straight years, let me say that again, three straight years with a 480 slugging percentage or higher. That is why he is a Major League Baseball player. Like He does, he does yep. other things well. Uh, you know, As you mentioned, he fields well. He, he runs relatively well. But his power is why he is attractive. It's not his batting average. We kind of all know that. So just saying he's a career 230 hitter does not mean anything to me really at all. I'm not saying he's going to be really good. That's the other thing that's uh, important about this. It'd be different if he was projected to be this like everyday player, which he never was going to be. He was no. always going to be a specialist of some sort when it comes to the Braves. And the only reason why it became a thing where he was starting games is because, A, Alex Anthopoulos wanted him to start games and said that from the moment that he acquired him that the plan was going to be to have him start against left-handed pitching because he's been good against left-handed pitching. And, and Ender B, was not. <laughs> that's, 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 what, that's what I was going to say. And B, your starting center fielder is been a bad hitter against left-handed pitching his entire career. Even when Ender is having a great season, like last year, he didn't hit lefties. He doesn't hit lefties. There are moments when he has nice moments against left-handed pitching, like this week he had a couple of nice moments, but on the whole, we have more than enough evidence of Ender Nciarte not hitting left-handed pitching. So I understand, and like by the way, like no one is saying that Ender Nciarte is not better than Adam Duvall. Adam, Ender Nciarte no. is much better at baseball as an overall package than Adam Duvall. With that said... Adam Duvall is better at hitting left-handed pitching than Ender Enciarte. Full stop. We have more than enough evidence to say that. Um, he may not be better right now in this moment because he's struggling, clearly, with, with a part-time role, but there's a reason why the general manager said on the record before the first game after the trade that that was the plan is because that was the plan. <laughs> they traded for a guy to, hit, to have him hit left-handed pitching. That's why he's on this team, and in theory, that makes a lot of sense because his numbers have been good. I know this year he's not been great uh, at anything, but... It's more than a 40 – I mean, my general point is it's been 40 plate appearances. I get it, but, man, like, you guys got to relax. Everyone's got to relax. Well, and, that, and that's what happens with bench players all the time. Like, they go through, like, a stretch where, like, they don't hit anything, and everyone's like, let's get rid of him. All he needs is, like, two pinch hit home runs, and everyone's like, well, let's give him – let's put him in the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, he, he I mean, had like, the one – like, There's such – there's so small sample sizes that we're working with. All it takes is, like, two big hits, and no one cares anymore. So He had the one, like, a week and a half ago that was, like, a foot foul that would have been a pinch hit homer. And if that stays fair, people probably aren't having as much of a reaction, which is kind of funny. It was, it was, a, it was a foot. Um, and he had I, a bunch of the warning track earlier this week too. Like it's yeah. I mean, there was there was one thing I wanted. I mean, somebody was like, "Well, you, you crap on Ryan Flaherty all the time, and you're defending Adam Duvall." And it's like, well, Ryan Flaherty hasn't hit ever in his entire no. career. Like there, that's the difference here. I mean, we definitely Except poked like a lot of fun at Ryan Flaherty. The the yeah, huh? I mean, we we poked a ton of fun at Ryan Flaherty, and I will I will cop to that. But it's because it was about track record. It was not about the fact that he hit for two weeks in April. If you look back at the track record, he's he's never been a good hitter anywhere. Adam Duvall has hit a lot. Like Adam Duvall was a starter level player the last two and a half seasons. Like that's the difference. I understand. Like it's an easy narrative to be like, oh, you you made fun of Ryan Flaherty. Look at Adam Duvall. But one of those guys has hit, and the other guy hasn't. It's all yep. about track record for me. Yep. I mean, like, look, I'm thankful for Ryan Flaherty's heater over like those first three weeks or whatever. It certainly of the, helped. Of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was great for it was great for that start that kind of like propelled us into the season. But he has not hit since then. I'm willing to bet on an Adam Duvall. Who is young and under team control versus a Ryan Flaherty who is neither? <laughs> he's he, like he has a three week hot, hot streak and everyone's like he's their favorite player because he happens to be related to Nick Markakis and he was really good in April. <laughs> like that's that that that's that's pretty much it. And that, that's not that's not a reason. That's just no. I mean people, people making noise and I'm I'm not interested. That that was a one off, but it was one of those things where it's like really we're doing this like we're going we're going to Ryan Flaherty. That's that's our discussion point. Uh, so yeah, I mean. Long story short, I think there is a scenario where if Duvall keeps struggling, they go away from him. Uh, it doesn't mean that he's going to be not be on the roster. But for instance, I was talking about I was talking about this with someone today, and it's like maybe it's time to use Flowers and Suzuki ahead of him as pinch hitters. And I was like, yeah, that's that's perfectly fine, especially because you have three catchers now. Yeah, Why wouldn't you do that? I think Tyler Flowers, especially, is a better hitter against left-handed pitching than like anyone almost on the roster. So yeah, go ahead and do that. But it doesn't mean you're you're going to start hitting. Ryan Flaherty ahead of Adam Duvall, for instance. Like, that's not going to be... I know Flaherty's going to be around for uh, again, but Duvall's going to get plate appearances, and uh, we'll see what he does with him in September. Uh, we keep mentioning Ryan Flaherty, so let's, let's talk about roster expansion, because a lot of stuff happened transactionally this week. Um, part of that was the older guys. Let's focus on the young guys for now. I think you were the first person to report some of this stuff, so I'm going to hand the floor over to you with the, uh, with the young pitching and uh, all of that. Obviously, we know Tukey's going to start on Monday, but uh, aside from that, you had this first, I believe, so fire away. 
Yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I had it first. I mean, I, it was pretty well understood that this was going to happen because the way, what, the way that they had man, done things in Gwinnett with Bryce Wilson, uh, Kyle Wright, and Tukey kind of all like kind of getting their stars lined up in certain ways and kind of having Bryce and Wright coming out of the bullpen as well, that they were going to be coming up at some point for September call-ups. Uh, then I heard earlier in the day um, that, that that those three were actually already had already left Gwinnett and were headed for the we're heading, heading for the Braves. So, I mean, obviously Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, Tuki Tassan are like some three of the best pitching prospects in the Braves farm system. And we've already got to see two of them uh, make their debuts, both of which were very good. Uh, we still haven't seen Kyle Wright. He wasn't on the 40-man roster. They had to make a move to put him on the 40-man roster. But he was also, you know, one of the top picks in the draft when he came out. Uh, was a potential candidate for the number one overall pick coming out of Vanderbilt. And, you know... Has really has really good stuff. Um, kind of had some command issues when he was down Double A. Figured those things out, and then was really really good the rest of the way. Um, all three of these guys have a chance to be special starters in the Braves rotation, which is problematic because there's a lot of guys who have a chance to be special uh, special pitchers in the Braves rotation. And getting that all that sorted out is going to be interesting. It looks like Wright and Wilson are probably going to be bullpen guys this month, uh, with Tukey getting starts because. Tukey's been awesome as a starter this year, uh, and he can, oddly enough, hit pretty well for a pitcher, too. Um, and, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, we're kind of reaching the point now where it's kind of ridiculous to me that how much of this roster I've written multiple years of minor league recaps about, uh, and they're all here. You know I mean? They have, like, all the guys, a lot of the guys that we really liked are, are, have, have made it. And so it's it's been a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Tukey getting the first crack on Monday. I wouldn't blow me away if something happens in the rotation and they stretch those guys back out, or at least one of them back out. But looks like it's made a six-man rotation with Tukey taking a spot, and that makes a lot of sense. He's been really good, as you mentioned. And the young guys add a different dimension. I mean, there's no there's no way around that. Like, I understand they're young, but you could tell me that you know Bryce Wilson versus you know random uh, <laughs> random late inning reliever, he's probably got a better arsenal. So it's a situation where I've been saying this forever. So have you since you know maybe June that these guys make ideal high leverage bullpen candidates for the playoffs or playoff run. And uh, here they we have are with them doing it. Yeah, they have the best stuff. They have that. You know, we have we have a couple of guys that are have been performing really well of the bullpen. I mean, Minter's been good, even though he's been a little scary at times. But you know, and then we have you know have the Winklers of the world and Jesse Biddle. Those guys have been pretty good. But these guys have sure. like legitimate stuff. That, and, are, and more importantly, like those are fresh arms. They're not. These aren't like you know, thirty-seven-year-old relievers that are you know, making it making it work and are using it on moxie. I mean, these some of these guys can throw ninety-eight and you know have, you know, plus to plus plus breaking balls and like, I mean, you have those things in your back pocket. That's a good thing to have as a reliever. So I mean, that's, I'm all for it. Yeah, especially in relief, it's going to be pretty scary. I think the first time you see, uh, Kyle Wright or <laughs> Bryce Wilson. Yeah, in Kyle. Yeah, Kyle Wright. I mean. I have seen Bryce Wilson throwing 97 in the ninth inning of a complete game. So if he's just reaching back just for an inning, he he you know he he has some gas, and Kyle Wright could probably do the same thing. So, like it's gonna be fun. Yeah, hold on to your hats with that. Uh, those guys are up. Also, there's some less inspiring pieces. You know, Ryan Flaherty, as we mentioned, is back. Um, we knew that was coming. I will say, and hopefully he will inspire Nate Marquez to be good again because he's been bad for a while. We'll talk about him actually later on. We got a mailback question about, about Marcakis, but uh, Flaherty, I'm not surprised. I'm also quite uninspired by him being around, but I, I get it. He's a vet, and they're throwing Snicker a bone, I think, just to have him around. If he's on the playoff roster, I'll flip my lid. But, you know, it's it's a 40-man roster. You have guys available. Like, it is, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, he's a body. Uh, he is certainly he, a- I mean, he, he, he is capable of playing defense, which will, like, will, is – could come up, especially in like you don't want to get stuck in a situation where you're like, especially if you get a bunch of extra inning games. I mean, like at some point you might just need to play a guy like that to give the guy a rest this last month. So it's not the end of the world for me. I just don't want him like pinch hitting in like high leverage situations, uh, which is kind of what ha- was happening there for a little while. They just run him out there, and the, the predictable you know roller to second or strikeout was you know <laughs> was was a pretty predictable thing to happen. You know, it's with with September ex- roster expansion, like you're gonna have like the really exciting guys like we've already talked about. And then we're going to have guys who are like, we need bodies to take up spots. So that way when we need to give guys rest or some, something weird happens, you know, we don't have to like, you know, stretch ourselves super thin that will can, could ruin the last few weeks of our season. That's just what it is. Yeah. He's around. It's fine. Um, I, I want to at least mention the, the creativity behind Michael Reed going on the 60 day DL with a, was a low back strain. Yeah. The, <laughs> uh, the, 60 yeah, day the, DL. The, what are we doing here? Like, <sighs> 
That was funny. I mean, I feel, everybody I feel, immediately said it, so everyone was like, what? <laughs> I, I, I feel for him because he has had a really good season in AAA, a really good one. And, like, he's done. You know, like, he, 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 he could not have done anything else to play his way onto the active roster, and this gets done to him. I, I hope that there's some sort of understanding between the Braves and him. You know, it's kind of understanding that this is why we did the move, and, you know, he's okay with it. Because, I mean, I, I feel for the guy. He, he did exactly what he was supposed to do, and – you know, hit hit his hit out of his mind in Triple A. You know, did you know power speed had defensive versatility. I liked him a lot. I wish he was still on the roster. I think there's guys that he's better than on the roster right now. But you know, that's just the way it goes, unfortunately. And I I, I hope that he if he doesn't catch on with the Braves, he should catch on somewhere because I I really liked him this year. I really did. Yeah, I, I would prefer to have Michael Reed on the roster versus Ryan Flaherty, but apparently uh, that was not going to be in the cards. Um, yeah, I agree with you on all of that. Just want to at least mention the uh, what I believe would be blatant roster manipulation from Anthopolis. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's we don't we don't <laughs> want to say it 100 percent sure. We don't know, but everyone kind of is on the same page with, with this one. It doesn't make a lot of sense um, to do this. The, so the, the typo in the tweet, you know, the low back strain doesn't like that didn't like inspire a ton of confidence. I guess it's possible he got hurt very recently, but I haven't heard anything. So same. Uh, we can leave that there. Uh, also, the Braves acquired a third catcher, and it's it's Renee Rivera. Uh, you know, Chris Stewart was around as uh, they battled some injury stuff during the season, but Rivera is a little bit better than Stewart. Nothing overly inspiring, but basically, this just allows uh, Snicker, or at least paves the way for him to do it more often, to use Flowers and Suzuki as pinch hitters. That's kind of all that is, which is fine. Yeah, I mean, and Rivera, like he's not awful at the plate, and he's not awful defensively. He's, I mean, for a third catcher, he's great. You know, they didn't, I don't, you know, the Braves didn't have to give up really anything for him. They just kind of just got him. Uh, and for a third catcher, he's great. When in the Braves situation where they feel like they need to have, you know, their other catcher as a pinch hitting option, I mean, it's it's a perfect fit for that, that sort of guy. He's not he's not the guy that's going to be like backing up just in case like our, our only good catcher, you know, is out. He's you know he's just a guy that will be able to play if need be. And like will not be embarrassing in doing so. Chris Stewart at times this year was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> he wasn't even a good hitter in Triple A. I don't think he's yeah, ever. He's, he's never. He's that's not good. So he's not good. I'm, yeah. I'm happy with it. Yeah, that was just a sort of a, a move that we all knew was coming. They were going to have a third catcher of some sort. It's about, that's about as good as it could have done. Honestly, I think he's a, he's a professional catcher, which is kind of all you want in that spot. Um, one more thing on the roster is that, and that's that the Braves acquired Preston Tucker on Sunday. After the deadline for cash considerations, of course, he was in the trade to Cincinnati. Um, he can't be on the playoff roster unless something weird happens. There was some disagreement here, but it would have to be a pretty special exemption for him to be on the playoff roster. Not that he would be anyway, but, you know, he can hit a little bit. He's about He's been about a league average hitter this, this season, and that is pretty helpful in September if you want to just have a deep bench. He's a better hitter than some of the other options available. So welcome back, Preston Tucker. Yeah, and uh, Cincinnati Reds fans are like kind of, had to be scratching their heads about this that we like he was just like one of three players that you know we gave up for adam duvall and then we basically get him back for you know money that's all you know it's just it's just a funny sort of thing that how it works but the braves i think the braves liked preston uh it just kind of didn't really fit with the roster they had right now but you know with rosters expanding and like they saw an opportunity to take him back and maybe preston you know like like his time here it just sort of worked out so i mean i'm again i'm fine with it for a september run a guy like that off the bench too you know he that can do good things, you know, that does have power and has had good stretches this year. I mean, again, it's one of those things where, like, you don't give up an asset and he actually has some upside. Yeah, I'm all for it. Sign me up. Absolutely. And uh, obviously he's familiar with the clubhouse and all that fun yep. stuff. So no, no comfort level adjustments there for Preston Tucker. Um, Aris Viscaino and Peter Moylan are both on a 60-day DL, which is not – Super surprising. There's still some hope that we uh, see Aroidas in particular. I think Moreland is um, someone who I kind of hope doesn't appear again because I don't think he's very good. I, everybody loves Peter Moreland, but uh, Aroidas a is yes, he's a great guy. Yes, uh, Aroidas though is intriguing if they can get him healthy. Of course, the question is if they can get him healthy or not. But do you have an opinion on whether he has a path toward the playoff bullpen if that exists? Well, I mean the the DL stint was retroactive, so it just kind of yes. comes down to whether that next next couple weeks next couple weeks he is actually healthy or not. Uh, the path is a weird one. I mean, he has a he has a pretty good track record as a reliever for the Braves. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call it really good. I mean, he has spots where he's really good, and there's other times where it's just kind of like, please just get us through this inning. Uh, it's kind of maddening at times. You know, it. I wish I had a better sense of kind of how he's throwing right now, but I mean, like he just kind of started throwing again. And, you know, the results have been, you know, okay. I know he's going to be throwing for Rome uh, soon as well. So it's just kind of – it's going to be hard to gauge. 
Uh, Moylan, I, my understanding is that he re-aggravated his injury, um, <laughs> which is which was funny since we all thought that the injury was just you know like a ruptured success gland type thing where he was just put on the DL. But you know, I mean, Moylan's time just might be do- might be done, whereas Aroides is more. That that one's a little a little trickier to kind of predict because the Braves have some like pretty good arms in the bullpen, but there are also some suspect ones. So Vizzy might actually be an upgrade over some of those guys. But if you give Snicker Vizzy back, does that like does he supplant Minter? What how does Vizzy how does Snit use him? It's kind of it's a it's a weird situation. I'm not sure there's one. It's an easy answer. Yeah, I don't. I think if I want to say I almost said this more confidently than I wanted to. I think if Miscarino is healthy, he'll be in the bullpen. I would imagine it comes with a uh, a letter or a tap on the shoulder from from the from the general manager that says he's not the closer. <laughs> um, but well, I mean, well, but like for example, would you 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 obviously you wouldn't use him over Minter, right? Oh no, Minter's the best. You you, would, you wouldn't use him over Winkler, right? No, it would take a it would take more more simple than we have time to accrue to have him yeah. be ahead well, of Winkler. Yeah. Well, yeah, that and like and Biddle, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, they're clearly. I'm, I will say, Snit, Snit is clearly in love with Brad Brock. Um, yeah, yeah. Is, that's just it. you go further down the list. Like I don't know where where, where you use Viz. No, I mean, Viz I is obviously he's, a good. Yeah. Now he's better. He's better in Sam Freeman situations than Sam Freeman is. But is that really kind of like? But he's a righty. So, yeah. Yeah. And they only. I mean, they only have the one lefty. When you're talking about Mitchell, I mean, I know Mitchell's left-handed, but uh, you know, you really only have Biddle. Other than that, so yeah, it's um, it's a weird I situation. Will I don't have the, an be in the bullpen if he's healthy, but. I'm not sure where I'm not, I'm not sure which piece he supplants, especially when you throw in the fact that you're also dealing with Bryce Wilson and uh, Kyle Wright now as options. Yeah. So maybe he won't be there. I don't know. It's kind of interesting it's, to me. Yeah, it's weird. I, I can say for I can say with conviction that I think Peter Moylan is far on the list of guys I'd like to see. Um, so hopefully that does not appear in the, in the near future. But Aroidus, you you can only see it like when he's when he's right, he's generally pretty good. So. I, I agree. Like I said, he it's not it's not an easy puzzle for me to solve. I've kind of been thinking about it, and it's just I don't I don't really know how it works and how it, how they fit. But that's just me. Yep, that's a good call. Um, all right, two more things before I let you get out of here. Um, one of them is about Marcakis. We got a mailbag question uh, this week from Ryan Hutchins, and he says, "What's the panic the panic meter at for Nick Marcakis?" Um, and he's and he asks if there's a future where uh, he gets a day off or two. Um, Marcakis is kind of like Freeman, and this is me answering now. Marcakis is kind of like Freeman that he does not like to take days off. Um, that's very very clear. With that said, uh, he's really really been scuffling for a while now. Um, you know he's been pretty ordinary. Uh, I, I, I looked this up today. It's definitely a, a, a sample size grabbing thing, but we're about, we're at an 85 game sample now where he has a 771 OPS, which is fine. If you told me that was what he was coming into the season, we'd all be thrilled with that. But uh, right. it's definitely not the same kind of guy that he was early in the year. And since the All Star break, it's kind of fallen off completely. About an 80 WRC plus. He's really struggled the last 20 games or so. It's like a 450 OPS over 20 21 games. Um, we're still in small sample land with Marcakis, but he's really been scuffling. So uh, the day off thing is kind of up to snit. I think I would be. I, I, we've been saying that even when he was running good uh, two months ago, it's like why is this old guy playing every single inning of every single game? Uh, and now that he's been struggling, it's even easier to suggest that. But aside from that, are you worried about him kind of just turning back into his old self, or is this just a brief period of struggle? Because listen, no one aside from the super duper stars doesn't have one of these every once in a while. Right. And I'm not sure he's in that class, so I'm not overly worried on the surface. But at the same time, he's a little bit older and had that you know magical ride. Maybe it's just kind of coming back to earth now. I, I do hope that that some of these guys, whether it be Freddie, whether whether it be Marquez, start getting some days off again. That that extra I rest, wish. especially. <laughs> well, well, those last, especially the last month and a half, where like the Braves have had so few days off. Like I just think it's just gonna be good just to give people give guys rest where you can, and like they kind they have enough roster options where they could kind of they could probably make it work depending on how the division race is going and all that jazz but um i mean Marquez has not historically like gone through in season tear like tearing through things the entire year i'm thankful for what he has done this year but i mean if you look at his numbers like even when he starts off well like he generally tra- he de- generally trends off and it wasn't reasonable for me to expect that he was going to keep up and like borderline mvp level production like the way he was um I didn't necessarily think I, he would slump like this, but at the same time, like a lot of players do it, and you know, it might just be a situation where he's kind of like you know, he's used up a lot of bullets in his gun, and he just doesn't have anything left at the end of the year because he's you know, he's just run down. That's just what happens, or, or it's just something he'll hit his way out of in the next week or so. Uh, I don't call myself worried. 
because the, ultimately, if you had stopped his production now, you know what I mean, and like he didn't do anything the rest of the year, what Marquez gave you throughout the rest of the season is perfectly fine with me. So it's just it's not, it's not one of those things that I'm. I hope he gets some days off. I'm probably much less sold on you know extending him for another year or two just because you know he has kind of come down to earth a little bit, but. At the same time, like it's not something on something that's super concerning for me. Yeah. By the way, I mean, still now September second, he has a one twenty one WRC plus for the season. Yep. Um, really good. He's he's been very good. There's no there's no way around that. Full stop. He's been very very good this season. But um, there is some concern, especially with a guy of his age, that uh, you know, a day off could be in the cards. I will say, you'd love to get him a left a, a night off against a lefty somewhere. I think the, you know the one time the Braves are definitely going to see a left-handed pitcher this week is on. I believe that is Friday in Arizona against Patrick Corbin. Uh, that would be a good spot for it. Uh, could also give him the day off on Monday, given that it's a, turn, a quick turnaround with a one, one o'clock start. Um, I would not, I would not be upset about that at all. Um, with that said, I, I, again, as, as I said before, Freeman and Marquez just not, just, they, do, they do not like to take days off. No. You know, Freddie especially. We talked about it a lot, even when he, especially last year when he was legitimately hurt. It wouldn't sit. That really bothered me. But guys that are just, you know, they're just probably worn down and tired. I can't just be like, you're sitting. I mean. The manager can do that, but Snickers never shown the ability or willingness to do that with a veteran. Uh, young guys, he's done it uh, numerous times this year, but Freddie, Freddie and Marquecas, he, they, they're in there every day unless they don't want to be. And I can't imagine Marquecas in the middle of a playoff race is going to be like, give me the day off, skip. That's not going to happen, I don't think. Uh, I agree. So we'll see what he looks like, but no day off this week again. I mean, the next the next Braves day off is uh, Thursday, September thirteenth. So about you know another twelve days or so in between uh, games with no days off, and that includes some travel as well. So if you're waiting for another day off uh, collectively, it's not coming for a while. No, and it's you know it's kind of unfortunate. You kind of wish you had a little bit more built-in days off to kind of keep these guys you know rested, you know, and not have to do so against their will, but. You know, that's just the way that's the way the schedule kind of worked out, especially with all those rain outs having to make all that stuff up. But, you know, so far, so good. You know, we've kind of seen some of these guys get a little, looking a little tired and, you know, maybe not performing as well. But hopefully they kind of snapped their way out of it for this last month. That's just for the end. sure. Um, one one bit of news that actually hit while we were recording. I'm not even sure you saw this. Maybe you did. Um, the brace of DFA Dustin Peterson. That does not surprise me. Same. Um, but uh, that happened while we were recording. So I want to come back kind, to it real quick. Uh, kind of, I mean, it makes sense in the sense that one, he's not going to get claimed. Uh, he's ha- hasn't had a particularly good season. Uh, it's a little bit messed up to kind of name him the comeback player of the year for you know Triple A Gwinnett yesterday, <laughs> and then DFA this today. But at the same time, like you know, if there's a guy that you to take off the roster, uh, that 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 makes sense. West Parsons was another option if you needed if you needed roster space for somebody. Uh, both those are re- reasonable options. So uh, again, you know, I don't think Dustin's going anywhere necessarily, but it's also kind of a, I don't know, the timing is interesting. It makes me wonder what else is kind of moving around in the periphery, uh, especially with the way some guys have been playing in AAA lately. Yeah, it's an interesting move on September uh, 2nd, but uh, I know Scott, um, that's his guy, but you know, <laughs> yeah, Dustin's he's, been, yeah, he's, he's in okay. pain right now. You know, Pierce I mean, is just okay. Like, it's not a situation where I think, you know, after the injury that he had, it's not been quite the same, and that's okay. I mean, it is what it is, but I hope I root for the guy. I mean, I've always kind of liked him as a prospect, so hopefully he'll be back in Atlanta in short in short order, but we'll see. You know, it's a tough thing that, like, when you, when you get a wrist injury like that and you just, like, you lose your power, which is your carrying tool, I mean, he was already kind of, like, going to be battling as, like, kind of a fourth out, outfielder type right. anyway. Uh, and when you just when you lose like the one thing that you really have going for you, I mean, the game, the power just isn't playing games. I mean, I saw him hitting a bunch of pitch, batting practice home runs, but it just wasn't playing, and it's just kind of a shame, just because you know, like again, he's a guy that's clearly worked hard. You get you get the AAA, and you know you you you're close, and then you just can't quite push through. Um, but again, he still has he still has time. I don't think the Braves are gonna like you know just get rid of him just to get rid of him. So you know, we'll again we'll kind of see what happens, but it's you know, it's it'll be interesting to see what kind of these what roster moves will happen over the next few days. For sure. All right. Let's end on a higher note, a more absurd note. Um, I wrote this week uh, basically a very optimistic thing by my standards about how the National League is wide open because it is. Um, there's a lot of um, – we talked about this on the podcast a little bit, but there really isn't anybody in the National League that overly scares me. If I'm the Braves, which is kind of the premise of the article, and it was kind of you know let, letting yourself dream a little bit about the National League. You know, The Dodgers have gotten red hot, and that's a team that really scares me more than anybody else, and they're now uh, they're not winning the NL, the NL West after I wrote that. But um, 
as part of that response, I've got a couple of questions about who I thought the Braves would want to see in the World Series, which is uh, a long way out. Let me say this on, on all sides big. of this conversation. Um, this is definitely not. A, this is definitely a hypothetical. Uh, I'm not picking the Braves to make the World Series, um, but I thought it'd be kind of fun to pick a team to play against because the the American League is absolute. So uh, yeah, what we got. So right about here, we had some technical issues uh, on my end. So my, my apologies to Eric. He does, he does answer the question, but you're going to miss about 30 seconds of uh, at least part of his answer here. We're going to come back in uh, right where Eric is talking about the Boston Red Sox, and we'll get on from there. And hopefully you will have an appropriate, uh, I guess, temperature of what Eric's trying to say about the American League. I think you probably do. But again, my apologies on the technical difficulties. Hopefully it won't happen again in the future. But you absolutely do get the uh, entire picture of what he's trying to say and uh, the rest of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. And uh, here that is. Boogie Betts says because of how good JD's been, and then you still got you got guys like Andrew Benatendi and all. I mean, it's crazy how good they are. Then you have the Yankees, where you don't want to play in the World Series at Yankee Stadium when they have Aaron Judge and Stanton in their lineup because they can just like flick their wrists and hit home runs there. Then you have the Indians, who have a loaded lineup. Well, not a loaded lineup, but a loaded rotation that has you know they have Kluber, they have Bauer, they have all those guys, and they have Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. I don't want any part of them. The Astros are the defending champs. And I'm shocked that they haven't locked up that division yet. So what I need to happen is either the Athletics to supplant the Astros and get in that way or sneak in through the wild card and just go on a crazy tear. Because while I have a lot of respect for what they've done this year, and I still think they're a very good baseball team, of all the options, that's the one I want. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think – I wish I had an answer that was better after asking the question. Uh it's a spot where you're just hoping for something weird to happen because I, I don't want to have to go against a rotation of like Verlander, Morton. Yeah, no, and I don't. I definitely don't want the Astros. That's a team I really don't want to play. Um, I'm tempted to say the Indians. I mean, I don't want Kluber to pitch in twice. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Boston's got Sale, Cleveland's yeah. got Kluber, Houston has just a ridiculous display of talent everywhere. Uh, are the Yankees an option? I mean, the Yankees are the Yankees are going to get in the going to get that other wild card. That's spot. who I would pick. I mean, if I had to pick a team, I, it's clearly them. Um, I, I, but among, I'm, I'm, among the teams that are supposed to make it, I think I would probably want the. Uh, give me the Red Sox. Good. Yeah, I was about to say it, it's between the Yankees. It's good, the, the wild card game seems pretty clearly. It's going to probably be the Athletics and the Yankees. Yeah, which is and by the way, the A's have been so weird. They're undefeated. Yeah. One leading after seven innings this season, they're like they're like fifty-seven and zero. It's like the most comical thing I've ever seen in my life. They just don't lose close games. It's insane. Um, and the Yankees have a lot of talent, but they've been banged up, and their pitching staff's not very impressive. Those two teams are the obvious answers. If you have to, if you have to pick a division winner, like I guess I'll take Boston because their rotation doesn't scare me. I mean, Sale's really really good, but everybody else is pretty hittable. So I guess that's it. But uh, that just, just so everybody knows, the Braves would be a huge underdog against any of these teams. Uh, probably yes. Uh, no, I don't no think probably. They be, They'd be a they huge be, underdog. I, they they I could win, but I don't. I don't think that they would be underdogs against the Athletics. I do not. No, I'm talking about the. I'm talking about the good teams. Oh, the division winners, yeah, like yeah, yeah. A- Astros, the Indians. I don't know if they'd be huge underdogs. Uh, but I, the Astros, the Astros and the Red Sox, they'd be underdogs. Yeah. Like yeah. Super- I mean, Astros, Red Sox. I think the Indians would be pretty substantial underdogs as well. Uh, even the Yankees. I'd imagine the Braves are not favored over the Yankees in a series. Um. But, well, if, if New York is healthy, I should say, if they have, if they yeah. have all their guys. Um, but in the National I mean, let's talk about National League real quick. I've said I think the Braves are the favorite against anyone except for the Cubs and the Dodgers. Um, do you agree with that, or would you say something else? I think that against the Dodgers and the Cubs, like the, those betting odds are going to be pretty, pretty close. I think they're favorites against everyone else, though. I, I think that th- those three teams are very evenly matched. Uh, I don't think that, like... If what the Diamondbacks are doing is kind of like doesn't doesn't seem particularly well be well super well regarded you know like how what how good they've been defensively over the course of a season has kind of given them a lot of you know wins over the course of a long season I don't know how much that plays in a series you know what I mean um, yeah I mean I think that's about right it's just kind of one of those things where you kind of look at it and you realize one how wide open the the, the National League is there's just no there's no one that's like super scary. Um, the scariest would be just based on surely on paper, pure talent wise. You don't want I mean the Dodgers are going to be able to run Clayton Kershaw out twice. They're 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 going to be able to like they're going to have some real bats in their lineup. 
but at the same time, like the Dodgers are kind of just hoping that Matt Kemp can carry them to the playoffs right now. And and then as as for the as for the Cubs, you know, Chris Bryant just got back, so once they get healthy, they seem like they should be the favorites. But they're being chased down by the Cardinals right now, which is kind of a weird kind of development in that they just kind of up until today where they lost to Cincinnati ball teams, like like they just stopped losing all of a sudden thanks to Matt Carpenter turning into Babe Ruth. Yeah. I mean, good gracious, Matt Carpenter. Um, yeah, I, I generally agree with all that. I, I think Chicago's roster is just so deep. Like, yeah, I don't want to go back into the discussion about depth and you know adding guys, but the the Cubs have like twelve starters um, as hitters. I mean, like they they have all these bats that are just rotating and um, being managed beautifully by Joe Madden and all that fun stuff. And their pitching is not terrifying at all, but um, they're just better top to bottom, I think, than the Braves and then the Dodgers. Kershaw is the thing. If they have Kershaw, they're favored. <laughs> it's kind of that simple. He, he's yeah, he's just yeah, he's just Kershaw. So it's I mean, I, I would not have problems with the, those teams being favored over the Braves. I would have issues if it was significant favorites because I I just I do think that the Braves, if you really look at it, that they are a deeper team than I think they're given given credit for, and they have a lot of things going for them. Like you know, they, they will have some of the better hitters in in the game that they are playing, regardless of who they're playing against. So it's. It's a tough call. Like, I, I can see some really good series being played out between against those two teams, and I think that the Braves would could. I mean, the World Series is not a crazy notion to me. It's not like it's not like so far out. Like, you know, so many things have to go right for that to happen. It's like, hey, this is they're one of the best teams, and they could easily compete against any of these teams. So. Yeah, I mean, what I mean, we're not being homers here. I'm looking up the 538 percentage right now. The Braves have a four percent chance of winning the World Series, according to um, 538. That kind of sounds right to me, only because the Red Sox figure they have like a twenty-five percent chance to make the World Series, then then they're going to be the underdog the great majority of the time in the World Series. So maybe it's like closer to like eight percent or something. But what is what is Boston's chance to win the World Series? To win the World Series is twenty-five percent. Houston sixteen percent. Dodgers eleven percent. Cubs twelve percent. Indians eight percent. Yankees seven percent. Everybody else is under five. And I think, I actually think the Dodgers and Cubs should be higher than that. Um, they're 11 and 12, respectively. I think that should be a little bit higher. But yeah, I mean, I think 4% is probably a little bit low, but we're talking about 4%. Like maybe it should be 7 or 8%, but like that doesn't mean. Well, that, I think it's partially just because of the division still in doubt, right? Oh, like, sure. Yeah. If you told yeah, me, yeah, that, I mean, like, I mean yeah, if, if, you, if they make the playoffs, that number will jump to at least 8 to 10%, I'd imagine. I think that sounds about right. Yeah, so that's if you're in the playoffs. If you're in the playoffs and you're not playing in the wild card game, you only have to win three series. That doesn't sound like that. I mean, that, I say <laughs> oh, is that all? <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like yeah. baseball is a lot of coin flips. Like they're not perfect coin flips, but there's a lot of sixty forties going on in baseball. That's why the best team doesn't always win. Um, baseball is a it's a situation where you know can't predict ball is a, is a thing for a reason. The best team doesn't often win, and there's a reason. I mean. I know they have seven game series to try to even even some of that stuff out, but seven seven outcomes is not a, is not a lot. You can be the worst team and win a seven game series a substantial amount of the time. So it is what it is. Agreed. Anyway, that's probably good. That's probably a good, uh, good place to end this thing, Eric. Uh, we've we've covered a lot of ground as we always do, but I really appreciate coming on the pod. Uh, please plug anything that you would like, anything you got going on. Um, get it out there, man. Yeah, um, so uh, we are approaching the final days of the minor league season, which is uh, always bittersweet for me. Uh, it's nice to be able to kind of be able to sit back and enjoy a playoff run uh, after the minor league season's over, rather than just kind of hoping that you know minor league games start up really soon. Uh, last games, I'm pretty sure, are on Tuesday. Um, so I'll ha- my my last two recaps of the year are tonight uh, tonight's games, today's games, and tomorrow's games, and then I'm I'm done on my minor recap duty. Uh, I have an article going up on minor league ball going tomorrow about uh, some prospects that have really risen their stock uh, league-wide this season. I've, you can follow me over on at Twitter with, at Leprechaun with a K. Uh, I have work going up constantly on Talking Chop as well as MLB Daily Dish, where I'm also the site manager. Uh, so I've basically got things going on at three different sites right now uh, and getting to talk to you, fu- you my fine host, uh, at the <laughs> Talking Chop podcast, uh, so, which I'm always willing and able to make time for because – you're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. I appreciate that, man. Uh, you got a lot going on, so please follow Eric. Uh, do a lot of fun stuff. Uh, I'll be back again next week. Um, there is a week 
somewhere in September that it might be a little bit dicey. Might have a, a short show or maybe a Monday show. But uh, you know, as, as normally scheduled, we'll be here on Sunday nights and even on Labor Day weekend, we are here. So hopefully, you guys fire this up before the game on Monday. Um, if you can't do that, it should be most of this should still be relevant after the game on Monday afternoon. So if you're still listening to this on Monday night, please bear with us. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening as always. Subscribe to the podcast. Do all that fun stuff. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.